Quite often in the, uh, in the lessons that I give on a day-to-day -day basis, the most frustrated type of golfer that comes in to see me is the golfer that tries to hit the ball dead straight, but then can miss in both directions, can miss left and can miss right. And in, in golf, we call that a two-way miss. Welcome back to the Two-Way Miss Podcast, and boy, do we have something special in store for all of you today. Patrick McDonald, who covers golf for CBS Sports, joins us to break down what has happened on the PGA Tour thus far in 2023, what we can expect when watching the Waste Management Phoenix Open this week, and he gives us a little background on himself and how he got into golf. It was truly a great conversation with Patrick, and we were hoping to bring him back on for uh, some of these designated PGA Tour events later on this year and maybe beyond. Who knows? But before we get started, I want to give a shout-out to our friends at Blue Tees Golf. So I played golf for the first time in about a month this past weekend, and I couldn't wait to get out there and try out my new Florida Gators-branded Series 2 Pro Plus rangefinder from Blue Tees. This thing was sick, and it didn't matter if it was uphill, downhill, or whatever. Uh, the pulse vibration picked up the flag every single time without fail. And the HD display made it clear and easy for me to see my yardages and give me the confidence I needed to pick the right club and hit the right shot. It was crazy windy, uh, so the adjusted yardage was more important than ever, and this rangefinder delivered and was spot on all day, giving me what I needed. Right now, two-way miss listeners can use the code two-way miss. That's T W O way miss at checkout and get ten percent off your order at blueteesgolf.com. These rangefinders are the absolute best in the game, and you won't be disappointed with not only the price point but the quality of these products. It's just it truly is incredible. Uh, I, I promise you, if you pick one of these up, you'll you'll really love it. That's promo code two-way miss at blueteesgolf.com. So go check them out and thank you for their partnership and for sponsoring this podcast. So without further delay. Let's get to our conversation with Patrick. All right, so I'm joined today by Patrick McDonald from CBS Sports. Patrick, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Justin. Thanks for having me on. Uh, excited to uh, talk to you. Yeah, we're excited to have you, and we're excited to hopefully uh, do some more of this content creation podcast stuff throughout the designated events. We want to cover some more PGA Tour golf. I don't know if there's ever been a, a bigger buzz for golf in general, especially on the professional level, so it's a great time to dive on into it. But before we do that, uh, I kind of want to introduce you and what you do uh, at CBS and, and give us a little background on how you got into golf in general. Uh, it's, it's a long story, to tell you the truth. Uh, I mean, I've been with CBS since, I, I think in terms of like tournament weeks, which is probably not healthy, but I've been with them since the Heritage, uh, so almost a year now, uh, mid-April, but out of college, I went to Virginia Tech, studied finance, and I was up in Washington, D.C. for four years, uh, working like federal consulting with Deloitte uh, and Booz Allen Hamilton as well. Uh, I was working post office, drug enforcement administration, state department, uh, IRS, Treasury, like any government agency you could imagine, I, I was working with them. Uh, and so I made the switch from Deloitte to Booz Allen a week before kind of COVID shut down the world. It was about two years out of school. Uh, and at that point, it was like I, I had my little golf blog uh, for a little bit. It was amateurstatus.golf where I'd write, you know, stupid articles. I think I did like a deep dive into like Bryson DeChambeau's Instagram history once. It was the stupidest thing in the world and also some betting betting stuff as well. Uh, and so I kept that along while I was working from home the entire time. And then eventually Will Gray, who uh, used to be with Golf Channel and then went with NBC Sports Edge once 
they shut down the Orlando office there. Uh, he reached out to me. was like, Hey, we have an opening. If you want to freelance, I was like, yes, absolutely. Sign me up. I had another kind of freelance client at the time as well. And I went to Booz Allen, like you had to get it approved part-time work. And I was like, Hey, like just a heads up, I'm going to be writing for NBC sports here. And they're like, uh, no, you're not like, (laughs) you can't be talking. You can't be a part of the media when like me, myself, I wasn't allowed to talk to the media just because of the work I was doing for the government. Uh, and so at that point I was like, okay, I can make like a penny writing for golf and like dive in or stick with consulting. And I was like, I'm going to dive in. Like, let's just do it. I'm young still. I'm in my 20s. Uh, so did that for a year. Weirdly enough, I started at the Heritage. Uh, so I was there for exactly a year. And then CBS had an opening. Uh, Will, who's tremendous, he, he's now an editor for PGATour.com, kind of their betting arm golf bet. Uh, he was like, hey, like CBS has an opening. You should definitely apply for it. He talked to the editor for me, my current editor, uh, Adam Silverstein. Uh, and yeah, I've been doing it ever since, uh, you know, really lucky learning a ton. Uh, and I mean, couldn't really pick a better time to jump into the golf space. Did you play golf like in high school or something? Is that kind of why you wanted to get into golf and not other sports? Yes. Yeah. I, I played competitive golf kind of starting since freshman year. My first job was, you know, caddying at a local country club. Uh, I actually, I worked in golf retail for three days and I was like, I can't do this. Like my feet hurt. Retail is a tough game. I respect them so much more after that. And I was like, I'll, I'll just caddy instead. So played a lot, been around it, you know, ever since high school. So it was a pretty easy decision when, you know, I've always wanted to write in, in school. I've been told I was a decent writer and I kind of just shrugged off the professors. You know, I'm 18. I, I know better than you type of deal. Sure. Uh, but it, it all kind of fell into place and definitely very lucky. Writing is kind of how I got my start too, because when I was coming through athletics, I was in like the sports information world. So I was writing press releases for universities. Um, at that point, I kind of wanted to do some more like one-off, you know, deep storytelling type stuff. And, and I'm 34 now. I didn't graduate college until uh, until 2016. So we had like a plan with my wife. She was going to finish school. And then when she got done with uh, her bachelor's master's degree, then I went back to school and I worked the whole time. She worked the whole time. We, we kind of supported each other through that. And uh, nice. when I graduated from college, I want, that's what I was going to do. We moved to several places and uh, worked for these universities, and I got into writing. But when I got there, I found out real quick that the generation coming up doesn't really uh, read as much. And so we kind of pivoted. <laughs> I started learning how to do some of the, the video stuff. I still love to write. It's, storytelling is probably deep down why we're doing this, what we are. Um, I love mm-hmm. the passion. I love finding people that that have a story to tell and, and trying to bring it to light. That's, that's kind of where, you know, gets my heart fluttering in the morning. So that's how I got started. So I'm on the same wavelength as you, huh? As far as, nice. as far as some of that goes. And, um, I, I've, I've read your stuff, obviously. That's why I wanted to bring you on. And that's why I reached out to you. And, um, I'm, I'm excited that you're here and what a year it was, I guess, to, to start for, uh, to write golf. Not only do we have, you know, a, a massive Netflix series coming, we have the live golf, we have, um, back and forth. It, it feels a lot like sport now. Golf has always been um, like this gentleman's, you know, handshakes. Everybody at the end of the day, it's kind of laissez-faire. Well, we're all good. We all make a lot of money. Now it seems like there's legitimate bad blood. And I, as much as we probably downplay live, I don't, I don't know how that can't be a good thing going forward. And all this hype that's generated, which is going to lead us into, you know, covering this term that we're about to talk about. But 
Can you just kind of give an overall recap of your first year doing this and then what kind of a wild year it's been for the tour? Uh, I know it's a very broad question, but just your thoughts on all that for, for the people that are listening to this podcast. Yeah, the, the first year has definitely been like a whirlwind. I, I still can't believe it's almost been a year. Um, but yeah, my, my coworker, Kyle Porter, who's big time golf writer, everyone reads him. He's, he's really good. I've learned a bunch from him. He, he always tells me, he's like, thank God you came along because I'm the guy like covering all the live stuff, all the news, breaking news type of deal. And he, he's more like think piece features, which is good. I like the split up. Uh, but it's definitely like it hit the ground running. I, I never had an editor at all, not even at NBC Sports Edge. They were just like, they read my first piece. They're like, yeah, you, you can just publish it to the website whenever you want. Uh, and here it's like, I'm still getting notes to this day. I just got like a paragraph from my editor yesterday about uh, some introductory clauses. Uh, and so it, it's, it's definitely been a big learning experience. But for someone who really had no professional background or teaching, education, and writing. It's much needed. I'll be the first one to admit that. Uh, but like covering golf since the heritage and, you know, seeing, you know, Brooks Kepka kind of like people like him, like Dustin Johnson was a big surprise going to live. You had Brooks Kepka who at the U.S. Open had that really awkward press conference where the media has drawn this dark cloud over the tournament next week. He's off to live. And it's funny. I had someone, uh, you have a few sources down in Florida, not a ton. I'm not quite there yet, but it was, oh yeah, you know, I talked to Brooks today. He said, quote, you never want to be the last guy to the party about live next week. Boom. He's at live. How, like how convenient is that? And, you know, I had an inkling Joaquin Neiman was going to go. I know he was on the fence for a while, went after uh, the tour championship. You heard about Cam Smith after the open right there. Um, so just like being able to learn some stuff before it's kind of, brought to light to the public's pretty cool. I'm horrible at keeping secrets, uh, which is not good, <laughs> but right. I've had to learn to get better at that. I mean, that's how I make my friends. I tell people secrets, you know, people right. like information they don't know yet. Uh, so just like being able to kind of rub elbows with some of these guys and ask questions at like press conference and stuff is, I still get kind of nervous. Like I asked John Rahm about his putting at the CJ cup he gave me a death stare. He's like, why the hell are you asking me this question about my putting? I'm like, because you're putting good now and you're not a good putter. Like, tell me what's going on. What's what flipped. Uh, so, and now look, I mean, many people are saying after that, this run he's on is because of me. Many people, not me. Uh, but, but it's like I said at the beginning, it's just been a whirlwind. I feel like I'm talking in circles right now. Um, and it is like the best time to get into golf because you kind of had that COVID boom of everyone playing golf in general because it was the only thing you could really do. And combined with finally, like you said, some clashing in, in the sport. And I kind of see it twofold where, yeah, there is some kind of back and forth between Liv and the PGA Tour, but it almost does hurt the PGA Tour losing all those guys, if you think about it, because they did take all the villains. Harry Higgs said this to Golf Week at the beginning of the month where – the Dubai Desert Classic was great because Patrick Reed was being Patrick Reed. Rory was being all high and mighty as well. They end up, uh, you know, kind of in a duel there down the stretch with Rory winning by one stroke over him. And it, it's unfortunate we're not going to see that, you know, something like that this week on the PGA Tour between, I mean, there's no Brooks, there's no Bryson, no Phil, uh, no Patrick Reed, all these villains, all these like personalities. And at the end of the day, sports leagues are star driven sports right? You need the personalities at the top. And the PGA Tour is kind of left with, 
I don't like they're not villains in my opinion, but like a John Rahm who gets angry when he misses a five footer or a Justin Thomas who's electric at President's Cup and Ryder Cup and you know the Europeans hate him because he's kind of like they're the U.S. poulter and he can be perceived a little bit as a punk I'd even say uh but those guys like aren't really the villains and hating people in sports is like almost as good as liking someone like if you're a Cowboys fan this week you would love nothing more than the Eagles to lose and we don't really have that on the PGA Tour um, but like once it comes to major season and like, we'll get that. And like, hopefully some live guys and PGA tour guys are battling in majors. We'll get that. But, uh, it's unfortunate. We don't have that more on a weekly basis. I've got a long, uh, long winded theory of, of kind of how a villain becomes a villain in golf. And it really, I mean, with the exception of the Patrick Reed cheating scandals that are, you know, I'm sure talked about at nauseum on a million different golf podcasts, there has to be some sort of social media element for you to be a vil- like a true villain in golf, like because they are independent contractors and they can speak for themselves as opposed to a lot of guys do promoted tweets and contracted tweets with you know endorsement deals. Um, we see maybe not Patrick Reed so much, but we see his wife kind of get involved and then Phil with his tweets, um, you know, a couple years ago in the master talking about hitting bombs and drinking the coffee and how it was revolutionizing his life. And then obviously Brooks, you know, being a little short on social media, Bryson being the weird guy that he is. I think there has to be an element of personality, you know, that's portrayed to the public outside of the golf course for us to, to dislike you. When you're talking about Justin Thomas, I think, especially in the South here, he's an Alabama guy, so everyone around here loves him. But if you're looking mm-hmm. at him from the perspective of, like, do I like or dislike this guy? with the exception of the Ryder Cup stuff where the Europeans, you know, have an issue with him. I just don't, he doesn't post anything that's just overly controversial. I mean, I know he had the one slip up there a couple years ago, but he doesn't post anything that's just overly controversial or he doesn't really fire back. Um, Max Home is almost too likable when it comes to that. And so I, I just feel like there has to be this element of, um, you got to be a little combative on the social channels with either, you kind of got to look weird in some of these uh, promos that you're doing, or you got to respond to fans, or you know, Kyle gets called out all the time for some of the tweets that he does for by professional golfers, and so like you got to have some of those guys that that break into that space, and that that's just a kind of a theory. That's just the new generation, you know, the the next generation of golf fan that's coming up is going to pay attention to that stuff, and so to me, you got to have a little bit of that element. I don't know where I'm going with that, but other than just saying. You know, I, I feel like their personalities has to be shown, not just on the golf course. They're all competitive. They all want to win. But you kind of got to be uh, a flair for the dramatic off the golf course as well. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I'm probably too close to the situation where I'm just, like, looking at them as, like, the person they are. But kind of like you said, you need to show something on the golf course as well. Like, Patrick Cantlay is never going to be a villain. Xander Shoffley is never going to be a villain. Like, they're the two most vanilla guys in the world, in a good way. Like, Xander is, like, sneaky, one of the funniest people ever as well. Uh, but, I mean, they don't check social media at all. <laughs> You're right, yeah. Um, I need to ask you this before we get going, and sorry if this is sneaky or creepy anyway. I noticed Patrick Cantlay is, like, your cover photo on your, your Twitter bio. Um, is that by circumstance, or are you a Patrick Cantlay stand like myself? Because – I ride for Patrick Cantlay. A lot of the people that I talk to around here, you know, he hasn't won anything, blah, 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 blah. I think he's the most underrated player in golf. Maybe that's uh, – he just makes it look easier. And it, his amateur career is 
crazy if you really look at it. But he makes it look easier when he's clicking than just about anybody. Like he's Rory-esque to me with how easy he makes it look. Now he hasn't won the big one yet, but in my opinion, Cantlay is one of the more underrated players um, that's playing the game right now. And I didn't, I just didn't know if you were on my bus as, as far as that went. Uh, so that was from the 2021 BMW Championship at Caves Valley. It was like the first tournament I covered on the ground. I'm actually in the photo, so that's why it's up there. Oh. But I am I am a Patrick Cantlay stan as well. I, I, I agree with you. I think uh, you know the sky's only the limit for this guy. And I actually had a friend in college who grew up with him. So there's some connection there. I remember I was like following them, him and Bryson. I mean, that was like an unbelievable duel uh, in Baltimore. And I was following them, like texting my buddy. And he's like, yeah, like our fantasy football draft is like based on, uh, like the order is based on a golfer who we picked this week at, at the BMW championship. He goes, obviously I picked Patrick Cantlay, but this other guy has Bryson. So I really need him to come through. And I, I like showed Patrick the text and he was just started like geeking out. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think he is too good to not nab a major here soon. He does get tripped up in cold weather because of the back injury, uh, which is always concerning. So if, if you're a betting person, you always have to keep that in mind. If it's bad weather, like the open or whatever it may be, it, it takes a lot for him to play 18 holes, like getting right, getting his back right and whatever. But like you said, uh, his game should be fitted for these more difficult tests, but he also, all his wins are pretty much birdie fest. So, you know, you can get it done either way. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised LACC coming up for the U S open. I feels like is an ideal fit for him. So I, I think a major's coming soon. Let's get it here. Cause the, I, I need one in the bag so I can go back <laughs> to these people. And we got a lot of Jordan Spieth fans and JT fans around here. And they, they say Cantley's not on his level. And I'm like, Every metric says he is, other than that one win, which, you know, again, we're in football country, so winning is, is the only thing that matters around here. But let's go ahead and get into this week. So the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the first designated event by the PGA Tour, actually not the first, it's the second, but it's the first one that, that feels different. You know, it's the first one that's going to have the full field. I love Kyle's tweet of 23 of the 24 eligibles, and then he gets blasted for um, by all the, the live bots and uh, all the people that are going crazy talking about there's a lot more people that, should be in this event that is going to downplay it. I, I thought it was hilarious. I got in the comments and spent like 30 minutes on that. But um, So we're at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. So the first thing I want to ask you is, are there any uh, details about this course? I mean, we talked about course fit a minute ago with LACC with Cantlay. Uh, we, we've got a long history with this place. And uh, are there any specific stats? Uh, are there any keys that you've seen or correlations between the winners here that would give you reason to pick somebody uh, which we'll get into in a little bit later, but are there any key stats or so that you uh, that you are looking at this week? Yeah, I think you got to be really sound off the tee. Uh, there, there's a ton of trouble around here. You think about kind of that finishing stretch. You got 15, that par five uh, that has water all around it, kind of a bit of an island green. 17, the short drive will par four. You got water there on the left as well. 18 kind of has church pews a little bit, and th there's a ton of trouble on the front as well. So you got to be, you don't necessarily need to be long off the tee. We've seen someone like Webb Simpson win here a few years ago, uh, but definitely accurate. And they're playing at altitude. They're at the desert. It's hot out there. Uh, so kind of put the ball in the fairway and then approach play weirdly last year wasn't great from the top of the leaderboard. I'm looking at it right now and only one guy was inside the top 10 in approach from inside the top 10 on the leaderboard, which is not the usual case on the PGA Tour. 
Uh, ball striking typically carries the day. Uh, and they all putted the lights out. So to me, you want to look at someone who can put the ball in the fairway consistently. The key bucket from proximity this week is 150 to 175. That's like almost a quarter of the shots they're going to face is from that range. Uh, and you got to putt. It does turn into a bit of a putting contest every now and again, as you know, most weeks on the PGA Tour, to the dismay of John Rahm. Uh, so that, that's really what I'm looking at this week is you had Scotty Scheffler, Cantlay, Kepka, Norin, all in the top 10. Eight out of the top 10 were inside the top 10 in strokes gained putting on the week. Um, so it was a bit bizarre kind of statistical profile. A lot of people, I know Justin Ray put out a tweet that said 65% of strokes gained are going to be from ball striking historically. Uh, I think that went back a little too far, in my opinion. They had a redesign on the course, uh, you know, five or six years ago, and it's changed completely. It's now a winning score around 18 under. You know, Phil Mickelson's not getting to 30 under here anymore. Uh, and so because of that, I, I'm kind of keening in on off the tee play and, and putting as well. Would you say, I guess we'll, we'll kind of go into the betting standpoint from right now, would you say that, like, the, all the hype surrounding Rory and Rom as the two, you know, the two horses – there's a lot of really good players that are behind them. Scotty Scheffler, Morikawa, Cantlay. I know Zalatoris isn't playing this week, but there's a lot of really good players behind them, and it still feels like the perception is it's these two against the world. Um, is there any value, I guess, in just consistently fading these guys, or is that going to bite you uh, quite a bit coming down the road? Is there is there any value? I, I know Rory pretty much hasn't finished outside the top ten in like seven months or something, um, but is there any value in just like, hey, this guy to not finish in a certain position or this guy to miss the cut because the field is so stacked with, with the top players in the world. I think honestly, the person you got to keep an eye on because of, you know, Rahm and Rory, they're going off like what, like seven and a half, eight to one. There's a guy right behind him, Scotty Scheffler. Like this guy isn't playing bad at all. He, I'm granted. I mean, world number two, he hasn't won since the masters. What, what's wrong with him? You know, God forbid, but Rory and Rom, like, Golf people in general just need something to talk about, and it's obviously them two against the world, which I understand, but I'm more of a like process-based guy. I don't really look at the end result as much as other people, and you think about some of their wins. Like, Rory needed Scotty to like really gag there at the Tour Championship. Rom won the, the Spanish Open, like the Open de España. Like, that wasn't a great field. He needed Colin Morikawa to really gag there at the end. Uh, Rory won in a, you know, eh, DP World Tour event field. So I'm not like as convinced. Like I understand like both these guys have won a combined seven trophies in their last 14 starts. That's great. But like if you put Scotty Scheffler out there on the DP World Tour, like I'm sure he picks up a couple wins as well. He's playing great golf. Colin Morikawa is playing great golf as well. Tony Finau is right there as well. So I think kind of them two driving up the public perception as well as winning these, I don't want to say like lesser tier events because tournament champions was a designated event as well um but maybe like a a little bit fraudulent in my opinion i know the strokes gain says one thing and it's them against the world i understand that but looking at kind of the profile of their wins i think there's enough cracks for me to say scotty scheffler at 15 to 1 this guy's been unbelievable from t to green he's the defending champion i think it's a little disrespectful in my opinion i don't think he should be you know double rom or rory I got a buddy in my group. His uh, his name is Tommy, and he's he's probably my go-to. We're in the text chain, and we bounce stuff off. We probably talk the more the most about PGA Tour golf of anybody else in our little in our little group. And uh, he has a massive take, and he says John Rahm is the best ball striker since Tiger Woods. 
Um, I don't know where you stand on that. He says he's number one. Obviously, he had kind of a down year relative to his standards last year. But just looking at it since he's came up and how just how dominant I guess he can be when it comes to strokes gain approach and strokes gain off the tee, he's probably one of the most underrated drivers of the ball. We talked about John Rahm a lot. I mean, this it's John Rahm. He won the U.S. Open. Seems like he's won. He would have won the Memorial if the COVID thing wouldn't happen. He's won a lot of big, big events. Um, but kind of enlighten me on that take because I need your perspective to convince this guy. I, I'm not so sure, you know, that he's surpassed even Rory in in those terms. But uh, is John Rahm probably the the greatest talent since Tiger that we've ever seen? Oh, greatest talent. Um, I'd still give it to Rory over Rom at this point. I think Rory's kind of like prolonged success is extremely underrated. Uh, I mean, he's 33 now. I think he's been world number one nine times, which is ridiculous. Uh, 23 uh, PGA Tour wins, I want to say, four-time major champion. Uh, so I'd give like the nod over Rom at the moment. But to your buddy's point about Rom's ball striking, I think – when it's all said and done, he'll go down as the best driver to play. Uh, his off the tee numbers are stupid. Like he's gaining over, you know, nearly a stroke and a half on the field per round. It's absolutely just Looney Tune ridiculous. Uh, so I, I know everyone, you know, Rory's got the fluid swing and off the tee, Rory's phenomenal as well. I think Rom will clip Rory in that respect by the end of his career. Uh, but Brandel Chambly definitely had to take. Uh, I think it was a week of Tory Pines about John Rom saying he's not an elite player yet because of he's a poor iron player. Uh, I I'm not going that far. I, I think John Rom's yeah. firmly in the elites. Uh, but kind of the second part of what he said was he hasn't done what Jordan or JT or Rory has done, which I think is kind of true to a certain point. I know, like you said, he won the U.S. Open, the Memorial. He had a great kind of 20-2021 season, that long year when he did win that major championship. But he hasn't had that dominating year, that like real like that five to six win year that you know Jordan had, I think in 15, JT had in 17, Rory's had a couple of them as well. And based off the start, you'd have to imagine it's gonna be this year. So I think if he can get five in a major this year, which is a stupid season in this era of the PGA tour, like a good season is like a win, a major contention run and you play the Ryder cup or the president's cup. Like that's a good season on the PGA tour nowadays. Uh, and if he can somehow nab five in a major, like I'd put him up there. Uh, you know, I mean, he already is in the games elite, but that would just kind of push his profile, you know, ahead even more as we uh, get into the meat of his career. Because I got kids and, uh, you know, we're deep into my five-year-old's basketball schedule, so I haven't got to watch a ton of the golf coming about. That's why uh, the Kapalua was great is because I could get home and everything. we were done with everything. I could watch it. But I remember coming in right when John Rahm was hitting the tee shot on 17 at the American Express, and uh, the wind was howling that day, and I think it was the final round, and he's aimed, you know, there's a canyon or something left of that fairway, and he's aimed directly over that canyon. And for somebody who's played golf, I was terrified just watching it because a lot of the guys, the way the cameras work, you can't really see where they're aiming a lot of times. Like, you'll see the ball come off, but you can't, you know, what, depending on the camera, you can't really tell where they're lined up. It was very clear he was lined up over this this canyon, taking all that on and hitting this massive 30-yard cut with the wind, and it was incredible to watch. And I was texting my buddy Tommy again and saying, like, 
this guy's different, you know, than a lot of, a lot of guys are just going to not take on that risk because they don't have that full faith in themselves, especially that late in a golf tournament that they're in contention for. So maybe there is something to that. And, uh, obviously I think he's got the, the moxie to handle any situation. And like you said, if he reels off, you know, five wins, which would be a crazy, ridiculous, um, massive year then and he he gets any of the majors uh it's going to be really wild to watch and i'm kind of looking forward to it because if he does take that next step you know not having some of the guys that have gone to live again it always kind of goes back to that who's going to chase him down and and really put a lot of pressure on him it may have to be a team effort if he really gets hot but you know rory's kind of the guy for right now and uh, a lot of guys chasing but let's talk a little about value um i know from a betting standpoint it's easy to take the long shots. Uh, I think the public perception is always you're going to take the favorites. Um, but is there a guy, you know, on down the board that you're really paying attention to this week and, and thinking, you know, everything is kind of lining up for this guy. Is This may be one to watch. I love kind of the long-term prospects of JT Poston. Uh, and I, th- I think he's like as long as 130 to 1, which is stupid. He's a top 50 player in the world. He's probably playing closer to a top 30 player in the world, in my opinion. Uh, and this is a guy who like reinvented his swing last winter. Like he was straight up bad at golf, like not sugarcoating it at all. He missed a ton of cuts in a row and he kind of went back down to Sea Island, changed his swing a little bit, got a re- like really consistent off the tee. And that, that's really, you know, the biggest slice of the pie when you look at these guys. We just talked about driving. The two best drivers in the world are the two best players in the world at the moment. Uh, and so JT Poston really found a comfort level with his driver, and it's propelled him to, you know, the John Deere Classic win where he was very emotional after. And this week is, I think, just tailor-made for him where he is extremely accurate off the tee. And like I said, this does have a tendency to almost turn into a putting contest, and he rolls the rock with the best of them. And he's never missed a cut here. Back-to-back top 25 finishes here. The iron plays hot. He finished inside the top 10 at the American Express. I think he gained almost five strokes on approach in uh, only a couple measured rounds there. So all the stars are aligning for JT Poston. And my thing is, like, if you look at the 2022 leaderboard uh, at this tournament, as well as, like, the 2022 Travelers Championship, they're almost identical. Like, Xander ended up winning, but Thigala was right there. He had that double bogey on the 72nd hole. Patrick Cantlay was playing alongside uh, Xander there in the final round. Scotty Scheffler was in the mix. So I think there's something brewing there because JT Poston finished second in that tournament, nearly was a surprise winner. He's played well here in the past. He's comfortable in the desert. So I think 130 to 1 on a guy who's playing like a, a top, you know, 30, 35 player in the world uh, is, is pretty valuable in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I've been paying attention a little bit to his game and uh, listening to some of the other golf podcasts, listening to you guys talk about him on, on your podcast. And um, he might be the guy. There's always a guy that's in that 30 to 50 range uh, in the world that takes that big step year in, year out. And then he becomes like a household name. Last year, it was kind of uh, Tagala, but he, he never broke through. But he was like the, the darling, you know. And JT Poston's been around. He's a, he's a journeyman almost at this point in his career. But... Uh, he may be that next guy. He reminds me a lot of Webb Simpson, uh, and mm-hmm. it took him a little while to get going. Then he won the U.S. Open, and then um, then he started just winning that kind of a regular clip, and that could be this guy going forward. Uh, to me, I, I listen to a lot of the stuff you guys talk about, and he was one that's always kind of been on our radar. You say JT around here, and that's not who people think of, but uh, hopefully he's, <laughs> we'll, we'll see him quite a bit coming up. Um, we touched on some of the best players in the field, you know, Rom, Rory, 
uh, you're, you talked about Scheffler. Is there any other guy um, that, that you're thinking that's in the top, you know, 10 or so? You know, we got the long shot. Is there any other guy in the top 10 or so that you're like, you know, I, I think he's extremely underrated based on his value? I, I think what Tom Kim is currently doing can't be understated. Uh, I mean, this is he's 20 years old. Like, if people throw beer at him and, you know, some of it gets in his mouth, arrest this man uh, <laughs> this week, you know? Um, but, like, I, I was the leader of this kid is not as good as you think. I, I, I was banging that drum forever. He, he made me bite my words, bite my tongue quite often. And just being able to, you know, stare down Patrick Antley on the 70, you know, they had a, kind of an 18-hole duel there at the Shriners, and he was able to stare him down. Uh, to bounce back from an opening triple bogey at the Wyndham Championship and, you know, just race away from that field. It, it's pretty ridiculous. And he was a stud at the President's Cup, obviously, as well. So he's been around. I know people who have been following him for a very long time, betting him on the Asian tour and whatever. I haven't been too keen on that, so to speak. But what he's doing and his ability to kind of take to any golf course is extremely impressive. He's not long off the tee. He's not this new modern golfer who comes out, hits it 300 yards, and we'll figure it all out later. He's extremely accurate. His iron play, you know, I talked about 150, 175 yards. He's top in that category. He's the top approach player in the last six months on the PGA Tour. In uh, the the intru- introduction of Joe Scovern on the bag, you know, Ricky Fowler's old caddy, is going to be huge for him and kind of his development. So, He's playing, I heard Spieth talk about it where Spieth was like, he's playing like how I used to type of deal where nothing can go wrong. You're still kind of in disbelief that you're playing professional golf for a living. And so it's all fun. And with that, you don't really have any bad memories or uh, skeletons in the closet. And so you got to ride the Tom Kim train, I think for as long as you can. And so despite not ever playing here, like we know this guy loves the arena. He loves the spotlight. President's Cup, American Express, who's given the fans all they could handle, and Joe Scovern on the bag, I think it's a really good spot for him. Yeah, no, it's been really fun to watch, and uh, the President's Cup needed some juice, and I think Tom Kim provided that from the international perspective. There's a lot of those guys, you know, after you lose Cam Smith and Leishman, you didn't really know who some of these guys were, the, the Taylor Pendrus of the world and um, even Mito at the time. So having a guy like that come in and – I think it was like four down at one point, made a long putt and shushed the crowd or something in that team event. It's like just, yeah. you don't think you can uh, do any wrong on the golf course. And they have such quick, uh, I've heard Jordan Speed talk about this a lot. They have such quick, uh, you know, for, able to forget all the bad things and just move on to the next shot. And it's, they almost feel invincible out there. And he's definitely putting off that orb. This is, I guess this would probably have to be, has he competed any majors yet? I don't know if he got any last year, but is this got to be the, the biggest field he's competed in, one of them. He, he played in the Open uh, last year after, I mean, he finished runner-up to Xander there at the Scottish. He almost won that. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, we're looking forward to watching him for sure. So I uh, don't want to put you on the spot here. I know from a gambling perspective, it's, it's a little tough to narrow it down to just one guy. Do you have any official predictions? Hey, this is the guy that I'm going to predict to win. Obviously, in a field like this, it's probably the hardest to handicap um, because you have so many guys that you can choose from that are world-class elite players, but that's also what's going to make it fun for fans to watch and from the, the gambling market to watch. So who is your uh, official prediction to win starting tomorrow? 
Uh, my official prediction, drum roll please. I'm going to go with Sung JM. Uh, he's just like way too good of a player to only have two wins. Uh, think about the Haunted Classic, the Shriners, a couple years ago. It's been over a year since he won, uh, which is just stupid in my opinion. And he, he played great at Torrey Pines, had a chance to win that at the end. Was second in approach on the week behind only Homa. I talk about off the tee play. He, he's one of the best. He, he kind of weirdly lost strokes off the tee at Torrey Pines, but I wouldn't bank on that happening again. And he's a really good putter. Uh, so the iron plays there, consistently good off the tee, consistently good on the greens. He's the best par five scorer in this field. You've got to take advantage of those three holes. Uh, so I like Sung JM this week. Uh, I mean, he needs a big win, I think, in my opinion. Two to- like two-time PGA Tour winner is great and all, but he's such like a good talent where I don't know if he needs it. Maybe I need it more. I need it for him type of deal uh, that he like kind of bag one of these designated events. I've actually got a long shot play on uh, on him to win a major this year. Uh, I'm with you on uh, him. When he first came up, he was Tom Kim esque a little bit because mainly because you saw him every single week. He just he just played golf and that's all he did. Um, so he was, you know, had that talent and he didn't reel off the wins or shoot 29 on the back nine or, uh, anything like that, that Tom Kim's done, but you know, he was always in the mix. You always saw his name on the leaderboard. So again, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's too good not to get one. Um, and just the future down the road is crazy for PGA tour golf. Uh, have you had a chance to, to watch the Netflix series yet? I know the, there's some guys that have been privy to, to watch it. Uh, I'm looking forward to to seeing it myself, but have you got a chance to catch any of it yet? No, nah, I'm not buddy buddy with Chad Mom, unfortunately. Uh, I know I know they got the red carpet viewing event on Saturday, which you know all the media is going to. My, my sister who lives out in Tempe, Arizona, was even invited. And here I am, a golf writer for CBS Sports, and I couldn't even catch the invite. She's rubbing it in my face, but all I know is like kind of what the episodes are about. Uh, but I haven't watched any of them. That's awesome. And <laughs> that is, next year. Next year is your year, or, or later on this year. we we got to get you out there, and uh, we're going to try to do our <laughs> part for that. No, we really love your work, man, and I appreciate you joining us. i got a couple of random questions. I mean, they're golf-related, but not really. Uh, did you catch the uh, the Twitter intros yesterday? I think you did. I saw you tweet something about it for the Live Golfs. And who are you riding with this year? Which team is going to be the team that, uh, that Pat stands for this year? I'm going to ride with, uh, you know, fight for the family. I think it's smash the Kepka boys. Uh, I'm just like interested in Brooks Kepka. I'm interested in his uh, Netflix episode. It's the second one of him kind of facing the internal struggles of not being the world beater that he used to be. Uh, so I, I know people don't really like Brooks. I understand he can rub people the wrong way. He's short with people. Uh, but I find him extremely interesting from a competitive perspective. So uh, I'm going to ride with, with the Kepka boys. Yeah. I, I, it's going to be hard for me not to, not to pay close attention to the range goats. I'm interested to see, and they may have already released the rosters. I haven't seen him yet, but they may have already, uh, I'm interested to see who's going to be on, on Bubba's team. And that's just a, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. Yet. I actually think weirdly it was actually well done. Um, it was, you know, there's a lot of those guys in that list that they came up as captains that I don't, I don't really care anything about, but you know, I thought the video was well done, and it looks like they're they're starting to bridge that gap of like giving you some sort of reason or interest to root for these teams. It's probably not there yet, but it seems like we're getting close anyway. And uh, that's a whole other season that you know I'm sure you'll be following from afar, and, and Kyle will be covering, and all the guys at CBS because we gotta 
we got to see how this is going to go and if people are actually going to watch it. And uh, I don't know. There's, there's so many storylines, and it's just such a cool time to be getting involved with golf, and especially at the professional level, and we're happy to do it. Well, I'm going to get you out of here on one question. I keep a tally of this for every single person I ask. It's the most important question I'm going to ask you all day. Are you a pancakes or waffles guy? Oh, um, so weirdly enough, I just went to brunch with a group of friends. We had them down here for New Year's, and I will eat my own meal. I'll eat waffles, but like for the table, like there's no like appetizers for breakfast, really. So I get kind of just like stack of pancakes for the table. Uh, but for myself, I will say waffles. Oh, that's tough. That's tough <laughs> for me. I'm, I'm a pancake guy. <laughs> that's okay. It's okay to disagree. I mean, I don't know if we can ever have you back on now, but um, at the end of the day, it was. <laughs> No, I mean, that's something we all talk about, and that's something we keep a running tally of all the people that we talk to. It's like, are you, where do you stand on this? I think it's the most divisive issue in the entire world uh, because they're literally uh, yeah. the exact same. You change the texture, and all of a sudden, some people like them a little better than the other. Um, just something about a stack of pancakes is just different to me. So I'm a pancake guy. Okay. But, uh, well, Pat, man, we really appreciate you having you on. We're looking forward to, to following the coverage this week. Um, it, why don't you tell everybody that's uh, that's here and it's listening how they can find your work uh, and what you're involved with and where they can go uh, go listen or, or, or read your stuff. Yeah, uh, you can find all my stuff at cbssports.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Amateur Status, kind of an homage to my former blog. I would never get rid of that username. Uh, Instagram's Pat underscore McDow, and then I have a newsletter that I started recently called Status Update, kind of just picking my favorite articles videos or whatever from the week that was in golf sometimes not even golf uh and kind of like curating it for those who want to follow along so yeah i mean jj it was awesome talking to you i'm, I'm excited to kind of watch you guys grow from here on out uh, i'm excited to watch your guys videos coming out here soon and uh it was, it was a real pleasure yeah we appreciate that pat and uh go follow him go i know uh first cut pod that's the podcast that you guys do as well for cbs sports right Correct. Yeah, I, for, I forgot that. Jeez, look at you. You know better <laughs> That's than okay. I do. No, I, I'm, I'm a regular <laughs> listener. I'm a regular reader, and we look forward to following your stuff. I appreciate you coming on, Pat, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Yes, sir. Quite often in the, uh, in the lessons that I give on a day-to-day -day basis, the most frustrated type of golfer that comes in to see me is the golfer that tries to hit the ball dead straight but then can miss in both directions, can miss left and can miss right. And in, in golf we call that a two-way miss. <laughs>